when you and I lose a beloved companion, there's a feeling of loss and our hearts are broken and there's grief and there's all these emotions and it's just utterly devastating. And it is a very lonely place and it's a very horrible experience uh, that we go through. Well, the beautiful thing is, and I want your listeners to really, if they take away anything at all from today, if they take away one little golden nugget, I want this to be that golden nugget that they remember. That is only a human experience. Your beloved dog does not grieve. It is not in pain. It does not feel guilt, blame, remorse. They don't blame you for taking their life. They don't do that. The animals are almost instantaneously just like catapulted into this beautiful essence of the afterlife. Welcome to the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, helping you unleash the greatness within your dog. Hello and welcome everybody to another Doggy Dan Podcast Show and uh, as always... I am excited. I know I say it every time. It's true. And and today I really am excited because I have Karen Anderson with me and she does something works in an area which I'm uh, truly fascinated about. Partly because I used to think um it it was in an area of what I would call woo-woo and kind of make-believe and I dreamt of it being kind of true and over the last 20 30 years I've come to realize there is way more going on out there than we realize and it's so exciting and um, so I know you're probably thinking what does Karen do well Karen is an award-winning animal communication expert and pet loss specialist with over 24 years of experience helping clients struggling with pet loss her incredible journey began when she was a deputy sheriff and she documented a path with two best-selling and award-winning books called The Amazing Afterlife of Animals and Hear All Creatures. Karen offers animal communication courses for all levels to unlock the door to your journey. And she's actively involved with animal rescue and fostering since the 1980s. She's been doing that. Karen's the founder and CEO of a non-profit animal sanctuary, Painted Rain Ranch, which I had a good look at and is absolutely beautiful, beautiful concept. And it provides a loving home and final refuge for elderly, special needs and abandoned companion animals in eastern Washington. Karen, thank you for joining us here today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Dan. This is just, I've been looking forward to this for so long. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to have you on the podcast I don't know where to start. I mean, I, I love your bio, but this part of me goes, oh, it doesn't do it justice because this is the exciting stuff. You know, I do dog training, but what I really love, if I'm truly honest, I mean, I love training dogs, whether you just kind of change how you're behaving and do something different and the dog changes or you, you, you change something physical. But when you work in the area you work, you're almost using more of a mental, energetic kind of communication method. Would you be willing to dive straight in and kind of tell us what it is you actually do? I know we're going to lose some listeners who are going to go, ah, bah humbug, rubbish. And that's okay. 
this podcast is not for you. But if you're willing to go through the door and just have a look and a listen at what Karen does, then yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun. So would you would you tell us what it is you what it is you really do? I would love to. And for those who are saying nah, rubbish to that, I'll just say, you know what? I said that at one time too. <laughs> I thought this was all uh, woo-woo stuff, uh, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had my own experience that kind of you know, slapped me upside the head and I went, what is going on here? Yep. So I totally relate to anyone who's skeptical or doesn't believe it's real or thinks that, you know, and, this is all. Just, and can I know. jump in here, Karen? Can you yeah. just talk about your deputy sheriff worth? Because, you know, I used to be a police officer and I'm a, I've, a, I've got, a, you know, taught maths and, a, and I've been a civil engineer. I've got a civil engineering degree. So that's the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, that's quite, you know, to be a deputy sheriff and you've got to be pretty skeptical, haven't you? You've got to. You can't just take everything at face value when you're in the in that sort of a game, is it? Well, that's absolutely where it all started, or where it all snowballed. Actually, was yeah. when I was in law enforcement. You know, we're we're trained to collect evidence, yeah. and you do not have a case if you don't have proof. So I came from that uh, that background, and I needed proof in order for me to believe that any of this was real. And, you know, be careful what you ask for sometimes because, <laughs> boy, oh boy, did I get it. So uh, the, the crazy part was I wasn't trying for any of this to happen. I was actually going about my regular patrol as a, a deputy and things started happening when I was on the scene of a crime or if I was looking for a suspect who had fled on foot things started happening around me because I was using a heightened awareness for my own personal safety. So I kind of had, wow. you know, for all the, for all the Spider-Man fans out there, I had my spidey senses up, you know, <laughs> my, <laughs> my radar, my radar was up uh, because as a, as a police officer, you have to stay safe. I mean, that's your whole yeah. job is to yeah. go home at the end of a shift. And if you've never been through law enforcement or if you've never been in, in that field, it's you cannot really wrap your head around the meaning of that, staying safe. So yeah. I'm in this heightened state of awareness. I'm going about my business as a police officer. I'm interviewing victims. I'm looking for suspects. And all of a sudden, Dan, these crazy messages started coming through to me. And I could hear them in my head as I was interviewing or talking to whomever I was talking to, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing because it was in my voice. So that part was really confusing. It's like, uh, what? What sort of messages? Well, for instance, there was this one time, and I, I will just always remember this so very, very clearly. I was talking to the victim of a domestic violence situation where a woman called in that she had been assaulted by her live-in boyfriend who had fled on foot. So she was very pregnant and he had gotten uh, out of control and assaulted her. So my partners were looking for him. He fled on foot. So I'm standing back at the house and I'm interviewing this victim and she was telling me you know basically what happened and as we were talking this little kitty walks out of the front door and i'm an animal lover so of course i look at the kitty it's like oh you know i have to look at all the animals 
This little kitty walks over to this shed, like a garden shed where you'd store tools or a lawnmower or that sort of thing. Walks over there, sits down, and looks right at me. Oh, and I yeah. heard it, I heard in my head a voice that was my voice. It said, inside. Yep. And I thought, what? Because I wasn't thinking that because that shed had already been searched because the, the guy had taken off on foot. So he shouldn't have been anywhere near us because it had already been searched. So that wasn't in my head. So that's what kept throwing me. It's like, why did I just hear inside? There should be no one in there. And so I looked at that little kitty and paid attention to it. And I heard it again, inside. This time it was a little more urgent, inside. So I took the victim and I made sure that she was safely in the back of my patrol car. I came around to this garden shed, I drew my weapon, and I ordered the suspect to come out with his hands up, not thinking for a minute that he would. But guess what? He popped out of the shed with his hands up. Wow. So that is what kick-started everything. It blew my mind. I was... I, I couldn't believe what just happened. I didn't tell anyone, of course. I, well, I'm, I'm already thinking, because I used to be in the police, so I'm thinking, how do you go back to the police station and tell everybody what happened? Why did you search the garage? Well, uh, uh, well, there was this kitten, and um, uh, I heard this voice. No, I don't think I'll say that. I'll say, um, yeah, I can already see the drama and the problem. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, so... I was still trying to figure out myself what was happening. Now, the backstory is that in my personal time, I was sharpening my animal communication skills because I had an interest in this and I could do this as a child. And so I had kind of uh, reopened that door, I guess. Can you? Uh, I, I kind of asked a question at the very beginning and then I jumped into the law enforcement side of things. Mm -hmm. Can you just, it was my mistake. Can you go back and tell us, so what is it? What is your childhood kind of gift? What is it that you actually do? You can, like the communications, can you just clarify that for people who don't really, who still may be wondering, what do you actually do? How do you? What? Yeah, it, I think anyone who has lived with an animal knows that there's a lot more communication that goes on between you and your animal companion than the spoken word or body language. There's a lot more going on there. You know, they know things about you. They know when you're happy. They know when you're sad. They know when something's wrong. There's this kind of unspoken, energetic connection. As an animal communicator, I am able to tap into that energy that goes back and forth, like radio waves or like your cell phone, you know, when you call someone and mm. that radio wave goes out there. So as a child, of course, you know, we're unaware of all of these things, but I would have conversations with my childhood uh, pets that were very silly and, you know, something that a five or six-year-old child would experience. The doggy's tummy hurts, the kitty doesn't like their food or whatever it was. Very simple types of uh, communication. Now, when I was a child, I didn't realize that was unusual. I thought everybody could do this. I had no idea that what I was doing was considered weird, strange, woo-woo. I just thought everyone could understand the animals. 
Plus, Dan, I was born and raised in Southern California. I grew up like 20 minutes from Disneyland. If you think about Disney and all the Disney movies, which I was raised on, every animal talks in the Disney movies. They all talk. So I grew up with all of that and never thinking that animals couldn't talk. So that was my background. So when I started to have conversations with my animals and I would tell my parents about it, they got really kind of freaked out and they didn't know what to do. So they discouraged me. They told me to to stop doing it and that I was, uh, I had an overactive imagination and uh, really kind of put the lid on it. They didn't want me to do that because it scared them. They didn't know what was going on. And I was also seeing human spirits at the time. I was seeing great grandparents that had passed away before I was even born. I was being able to share their names and describe them and say that they came and visited me. And that really freaked my parents out. So everything was, I learned very early that everything I was doing was frowned upon by my parents. So I was very, became very secretive about it and I wouldn't tell anyone anymore. Yes. So, you know, anyone who has a child who is talking about things that they couldn't possibly know, I want to please ask you to understand that this child is basically sharing with you that they have intuitive gifts that they are able to intuitively tap into this energy and i would ask that you would support them or at least discover more and learn how you can help them because it really is a blessing and i wish my parents had done that for me instead i had to be very secretive and not tell anyone and and keep it to myself, and I felt like what I was doing was wrong, and you know, just all of that, those layers upon me that kind of pushed all of my abilities down. So, jumping back to the, jumping back to the future, you had that mm-hmm. gift as a child. Now you're in the police force, or the um, you're a sheriff, and uh, deputy sheriff. What happened after that kitten experience, and uh, did it continue or? Are you are you even still in the uh, law enforcement? How, how, what, can you tell us what happened next and how it progressed and and how you ended sure. up doing what you're doing with the, yeah with all your your work? Absolutely. So I was a, a deputy sheriff in Colorado, up in the Rocky Mountains, and it was a very remote mountain district. We were at 8,500 feet, and the the district that I worked in was about the size of the state of Rhode Island here in the U.S. So it was huge. It, gigantic district. And I was the only female officer in this very small district. So I learned in very early on that I needed to step up and be like one of the guys, or I wasn't going to be accepted or tolerated in law enforcement. They just weren't going to have my back. So I kept everything quiet when this happened, because there was no way I was going to tell them what was really going on. And uh, I had to do everything better, smarter, faster, quicker, because everybody would Monday morning quarterback me because yeah. I was the only female officer. But I I did a lot of, uh, they'd call me out a lot because being the only female officer, every time a female w- was arrested, I would get called out. So I, I got a, a lot of those calls. So I realized that there was this overlap between what I was doing with my personal 
uh, abilities of connecting with the animals that it was overlapping into my my work and that kind of blew my mind I was like wow because I didn't try to do it it just started happening and it it became more and more frequent and if you know anything about law enforcement most of the time it's boring and we're doing paperwork and there's not a lot to it but then when things get really exciting they get really exciting and and things can happen in a split second that's when the next thing happened where i was uh, called out to a suspect who had rolled his vehicle um driving under the influence and yeah. he had fled out he had fled on foot he was a known felon had a warrant out for his arrest and it was pitch black it was the middle of summer there was no street lights in the mountains so you have this total darkness of all around you and we're out in the pine trees you know out in the fields and he took off on foot and we all got called out and everyone was looking for him and several other officers were you know half mile quarter mile down the road looking for him my sergeant told me to stay in the area and maintain the perimeter around the vehicle. So that's where I stayed. And I was there by myself. And as I was sitting there, I was freshly out of the academy. So I didn't know that what I was doing. And I'm sitting there hearing the sound of my heart pound in my chest, thinking, what am I going to do if I find this guy? Yep. <laughs> I'm so scared, right? So as I'm sitting there in my patrol car in the darkness, I saw movement across the field. Well, it was a, a few deer, a herd of deer kind of going by. And uh, I looked at them and they looked at me. And, you know, there was just kind of a moment where I still had that thought, you know, where is this guy? Is he hiding? Where is he? And at that moment, a deer lifted its head, looked right at me, and they were very close because they knew I wasn't a threat to them. I was just very quiet where I was. Looked right at me, and I heard the words, logs, over by the logs. Oh, wow. And I looked over to my right, and there were some fallen trees over to the, to the right. Oh, my God. Now, all the police activity was to my left. The deer kept looking to the right. Wow. So I s just realized, you know, this could really be something. He could be hiding over there. Why are they looking to the right when all the police activity is to the left? So again, I got out of my vehicle and I snuck back around in the darkness and I, I pulled my weapon and I approached this log area where all these trees had fallen down. And I ordered the suspect to come out with his hands up and just like two little Pop-Tarts, these two little hands popped up out of the grass. And he slowly raised himself up and came into view in my flashlight. Now, there was such an adrenaline dump, if you can imagine what was oh, yeah. going on. And all of my backup was down the road. I had no one. It was just me. So yep. I got on the radio real quick and I... I reported that I had him at gunpoint. And so everybody, of course, converged and we got him handcuffed and in custody. And, you know, my heart was pounding. It was like this total adrenaline dump situation. They're all high-fiving me. Hey, Anderson, that's awesome, man. How'd you find him? How'd you know? 
<laughs> well, oh dear. Yeah. Hey, you got to you got to stop making up another story. <laughs> well, I just had this idea that you know, I saw some logs and yeah, maybe. Yeah. So that's how things started happening. And tell me, tell me that. What did you? I'm grinning from ear to ear. Ear. Just you know, I'm I'm picturing. Um, <laughs> Part one of a, a TV series here with, you know, yeah, it's it just it's just so fascinating. So hilarious. what did you actually tell them? I told them I just had a feeling. A feeling. Oh, I just had a feeling he was over there. I just, it's a gut, it's a gut feeling. And they went, oh yeah, gut, gut feeling. feeling. Gut, call it a gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Good police work. I mean, good police. <laughs> the crazy thing is when you talk about I, I had a feeling, a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's almost like you're allowed to say you have a gut feeling, but you can't say that the animals gave me a gut feeling. Right. Which is kind of crazy. It is. Because why would you have a gut feeling? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I think that's the key bit, isn't it? It is. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. We make this huge division. You're not allowed to speak to animals, but you can have a gut feeling. Right. You look at a pile of wood and you go, oh, I've got a gut feeling there's somebody hidden there. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't look at an animal and feel that the animal is saying there's something. It's it's not a big jump, is it? No, and I'll tell you what, everybody right now who's listening, who has an animal companion at home, you are already doing this. You're already doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Maybe you're just brushing it off as coincidence. Maybe you're brushing it off as, oh, well, he knows my routine or she knows, you know, when it's dinner time or whatever. But... It is exactly what we just described there. There is an unspoken, energetic message that goes from you to them and from them to you. And that's all animal communication is, is tuning in to that energetic message back and forth. Now, of course, there's a lot more to it to get the detail and all of the, the imagery and all of that. But that's the basic foundation. And once you open that door... And say, I believe, please communicate with me. It's like the door's open and then it's it can flow in. But if you keep shutting the door going, well, it can't be that. It can't be that simple. Absolutely. It, it kind of got the... The door goes, okay, well, I won't communicate like this then. Absolutely. Um, can I share... I'd love to share if I may my... I've had a lot of experiences with animals in this way. Um, and, you know, I really struggle to believe it was as simple as you just made out. But that's the big thing. It's as simple as that. It is that simple. And um, I was always, you know, being a mathematician, civil engineer, uh, you know, I was looking for some really detailed masculine process <laughs> where I had to learn a thousand wizardry commands no. to be able to get the... There's no, but my the, the personal really big um, communication I had with an animal, which is still unfurling as we speak um i pause because i get quite emotional but um this was my dearest dearest dog peanut and um as she, and she was just one of those one in a thousand dogs who the only reason i'm doing this now is because i became doggy dan the dog trainer and it was all because of her if it wasn't that she was such an amazing dog i'd never be doing this um you know, I thought I was an amazing person because I had this amazing dog. Everyone said that's the best trained dog in the world, and I thought it was me. But then I got some more dogs. I realized, no, it wasn't me. I just got lucky. <laughs> Peanut was just a genius. So she taught me so much. When she was passing over, as she was dying, 
I knew I had to be there and, and be with her as she was taking her last breaths and she started, you know, breathing very heavy. As she, and I had this m musical instrument called a harmonium. And she'd all, Peanut had always danced to the harmonica and she just danced, literally. I never taught her. She just did it. She whooped and jumped off the ground and big, did big, big twirls. And, and um, I saw someone playing the harmonica, the harmonium, which is like a, I'll um, show you because I'll, attach a video to this podcast and put it on my site. I bought this machine and I, I knew I had to play it to her before before she passed away. And that's what I did. And as she was passing, as she was dying, I played this song to her and she looked at me. And in no uncertain, uncertain terms, she said to me, "You," and it sounded terrible at the time, so this is why it was so funny. She said to me, you take that sound and you share it. And you will play to many, many people. Now, at the time, I just thought, <laughs> that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Right. But it was, she actually swore. This is the weird thing. You know what I'm talking about. It, it had to be so clear to me. Otherwise, I'd have laughed. But she, she put, um, she quoted a Bible verse. She put the F word in there. And she said, you take that sound <laughs> and you share it. And don't you dare hide it under an F bushel. Whoa. Now, a bushel is like in the Bible, they talk about a bushel being like a bush. And it talks about hiding your gift under a bush. And it's like when you are given a gift, you share it. Yes. And, and it says in the Bible, do not hide your gift under a bush. So she quoted a Bible verse to me. Wow. She looked me in the eye and then she swore and she got my attention. Wow. And, and I am just about to put some music onto Spotify. I'm just about to go live with my first sounds. But I remember looking at her going, my God, I swear. She just communicated with me oh, so deeply. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I'll attach the song that I now sing and play and you can, it, yeah, it's just hilarious. But that's all it is. It's as simple as that. It is. It's very simple and it's, it doesn't have to be difficult where when you start making it difficult, you lose the true essence because then you're putting your humanness yes. Yes. on it. So you just stick with simplicity. So it's been awesome chatting so far. I want to now take a bit of a turn and dive straight into, um, there's so much more I'd like to chat to you about, but I would love to just ask you about dogs. And I'm sure you've worked with quite a few dogs over the years. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your experience is, the main things you kind of come up with? Uh, I know you, you work a lot with dogs who've passed over. Is that, do you do kind of both dogs that have passed over uh, and also kind of helping people with behavioral issues or what, what's the work you do with the dogs? Well, absolutely. I worked with both pets that were alive and pets that were nearing the end of their time here. And then of course the afterlife communication. So a little bit of everything. And I think one of the most important things, Dan, that I have learned from my work is that when I had a session that involved some type of behavior issue. Um, and your listeners may not like what I'm about to say, but most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what's coming. <laughs> most of the time oh, I could oh, trace it back to the oh, human, no. oh, no. 
not the animal. Except I think that's true, except for in my case with mine. Right. Dog. Well, you're the exception. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm thinking all my bad behaviors, dog, the dogs are bad behavior. I hate it when I go, it must be me, but I know it's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, but let me, let me put that all into a nutshell. And the reason is because as humans, we tend to think of the worst case scenario. We tend to focus on the negative. We tend to think of it exactly the behavior we don't want. Let's say you have an aggressive dog. You get the dog on a leash, you go out for a walk, and before you're even out there, you're like, oh my gosh, is he going to attack every dog it sees? Is it going to drag me across the street? Is it going to bark like crazy? Well, all of your thoughts are energetic messages for your dog. So you're basically giving your dog permission to do exactly what you don't want him to do. Yes. So when you have a behavioral issue, the first thing that I say is, let's take inventory. Where are you? How are you in alignment? Are your thoughts, your visions, your words, and your heart all in alignment for the same goal? Or are you thinking one thing, but your heart wants something else? I try to trace where they are out of alignment, the human. Because if I can get that human into alignment just so that everything is a straight line from the top of their head into their heart center and make sure that what they're thinking, seeing, saying, and feeling is their goal with that particular dog, then we can get on to what the dog is doing. Uh, but first, we have to start with human. Human is the, the first key to success. And that was a big leap for me because I'd been a dog owner for years. And when I thought about that and applied it to my own situation, I had one of those light bulb moments like, wow, this is really true. I'm not just preaching this, I'm practicing this. And it's really, really true. So does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do people go about, you know, say you've got a dog. I'm kind of taking, you know, I've, I've got a big dog called Jack, and he can sometimes just be a little intolerant with the little puppies who want to get in his face. And, you know, and it's something I've worked with for a long time, and, and I kind of try and trace it back to myself. Say you've got a dog who can just be that little bit reactive. What do you do to kind of, you know, because with aggression, if a dog makes a mistake, it's, it's uh, you know, it can be pretty serious so what what do you say to people who are in that state where they're going well I, I'm worried about it going wrong how do you encourage people to change that feeling it's a very very common question that I'm asked it is because it's almost like it's a downward spiral and I know a lot of people will be listening going yeah but how do you not worry that the dog might bite the other dog when you've seen it bite so many dogs or something well again you have to Take inventory of where you're at. So I like to tell my clients, say things out loud. Say what you want. So state to out loud to yourself and state that you want to have a, a nice experience with this little dog and then picture that in your mind. What does that look like? What does it look like to have your dog and well, this hypothetical situation and this little dog, you know, just being friendly and just kind of ignoring each other and not getting into it and not having an issue and nothing big escalating. If you can think it and visualize it, say it out loud, and that is your goal, that's how you set yourself up for success and you set your dog up for success. Now, of course, you have to step in and be a responsible 
yes. pet parent and, and watch for the signs if your dog is you know, obviously going to be reactive. And that brings me back to the second biggest thing I learned is most of the time animals are just doing what is in, instinctive and natural to them as a dog. So it's not that they're trying to make you mad. They're not trying to um, upset you. They're not trying... I have clients say, well, he knows better. Yeah. Well, she she knows that if she does that, that I get mad. No, your dog just knows that when a certain thing happens, you go crazy. Yes. They can't connect that dot. That's not a connectable dot. So that's applying human to a human thought to an animal. So your your dog is acting instinctively and you have to prepare yourself you have to have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. You have to be prepared and know what you're going to do in the event that your dog decides to go to, to plan C. What are you going to do yeah. in that situation? And if you rehearse this and practice this, I feel like preparation helps you get rid of nerves, nervousness, wor worry, stress. Totally. So yep. practicing many, many times until it's not a big deal anymore but if you anticipate, oh my gosh, this is not going to go good and there's going to be a big tussle and I'm going to get all upset and the dogs are going to go crazy, well, you're just throwing gasoline on that situation. You may as well just light the match and stand back and watch it explode because that's what you're doing. You're throwing fuel on that fire. Beautiful. Yeah, proper preparation prevents poor performance. It does. It really does. Yeah, I think it's so true for life. So can I ask you about another couple of issues which are common in the dog world? One is that dogs who are kind of distracted and just don't focus on their owners. Is there, is there something, can you, if, it's, if somebody said that their dog kind of just didn't listen and wasn't connected to the owner, is there a general reason that happens? Or I'm just picking kind of one dog behavioral issue that's fairly common that people can, yeah. what is it? specific to the owners or specific to the dogs? Or? I think it's a little of everything. You know, every situation, Dan, mm. is so different and so unique. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. there's children, spouses, there's other pets, there's jobs and stress levels, there's all this stuff going on. So whatever is going on in your home, under your roof, whatever is going on there, uh, it is, you can expect the best. Don't expect the worst. Expect the best. And really, truly, what it comes down to it is I like to use a method where the the dog is connected to me with a leash in the house, safe setting, of course. You know, no one's going to get caught on anything and there's no stairs mm -hmm. or anything. Mm -hmm. And I'll just go about my business in the house. Like uh, the, the leash will be loosely around my wrist or, you know, connected to me somehow. But I'll just go about my business. I'll go in the kitchen. I'll go out the front door, go get the mail, come back in. The dog becomes follower. Dog follows, follows, follows. Mm. And I've learned that when dog knows its place to be follower, then it doesn't worry about trying to be the leader. And then you don't have Beautiful. as many of those confrontations because dog was meant to be follower. Man, human, woman is supposed to be leader. So yes. take away... This is what I tell my clients. Don't let your dogs make the decisions for you. Because I have clients tell me this all the time. Well, he knows better. 
<laughs> he knows not to get on the countertops. He knows not to jump the fence. It's a dog. A dog's going to do yeah. what dogs do. You have to be responsible human. So by t- showing dog, you are a leader. You're not a follower. By taking away dog's decisions, don't let the dog decide. You have to set that dog up for success and take away their decision making. That means yep. before they come into a room, before they jump on the furniture, before they go out a door, human decides when the dog will do this. And is it regimented and structured at first? Yes. But over time, as the two of you find your groove, it becomes a natural sort of thing you don't even think about anymore. And the dog falls into its place in the hierarchy, which is follower. So I think the number one thing that is going wrong, if you're experiencing a behavioral issue, there's always going to be exceptions. And I I am just saying, generally speaking, is because the dog is left to make its own decision. Wow. Couldn't agree more. I mean, (laughs) I love what you're saying. So much of my method is about helping people understand that dog is happy when they're follower, you know. I I mean, I see it even, you know, having worked in the police, I've seen the police dogs and I've seen, you know, all sorts of dogs, sniffer dogs and working dogs. and, And even those dogs, you still don't want them making the big decisions. Yeah, you still want to be able to get your police dog out of the, the the van or the car, and you don't want them to start making decisions about which scent they're going to chase or what direction they're going to head off in. So you still want to take control until you say to the dog, okay, now you go, now you go. But you are still in charge effectively until you kind of hand over to the dogs. So yep. couldn't agree more. Beautiful. Yep. So... Could you tell us a little bit, um, Karen, about the dogs in, in the next life? What what's the what's the com, com, common kind of question that you're asked, and 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 how does that work? And where do you feel? Where do you believe the dogs kind of have gone? Spirit? Do they all go to the same place? Do they move on very quickly? And I think it's a a beautiful thing that happens, and it's very much unlike what you and I experience, Dan. So when you and I lose a beloved companion, there's a feeling of loss, and our hearts are broken, and there's grief, and there's all these emotions, and it's just utterly devastating. Yes. And it is a very lonely place, and it's a very horrible experience uh, that we go through. If you've had to make a decision about euthanasia or if your dog is missing and you never know what happened to them or if you aren't there when the dog passes, there's just a lot of remorse and guilt and blame Mm -hmm. and just second guessing. Mm -hmm. Well, the beautiful thing is, and I want your listeners to really, if they take away anything at all from today, if they take away one little golden nugget, I want this to be that golden nugget that they remember. Yep. That is only a human experience. Yeah. Your beloved dog does not grieve. It is not in pain. It does not feel guilt, blame, remorse. They don't blame you for taking their life. They don't say, well, my mom or dad had me euthanized, you know, way too soon. They don't do that. That is a human perception, a human concept. 
the animals are almost instantaneously just like catapulted into this beautiful essence of the afterlife, which is all around us. So it's down by your feet. It's next to you on the couch. It's uh, beside you on the bed. It's all around us. They're not in some faraway place. They're not up in the clouds. They're not out in the ethers. They are still experiencing exactly the same thing they did when they were in physical form. They just don't have a body. So their energy is still there. Mm. And they try, 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 try to let you know that they're near. And most of the time, our grief, especially right after we lose them, will block that. We can't sense them or feel them because we're numb. We're just overcome with grief. And as time goes by and our grief starts to lift, then we become more open to receive an energetic message or sense them or feel them or hear them or dream about them. But it takes time for us to get there because our grief is so heavily heavy upon us. Where our animals are instantly surrounded in what I can only describe to you as a love-infused, joyful space. It's warm. It's inviting. I tell my clients, I've been to the other side so many times, I don't ever want to leave. It's so beautiful. It's so comforting to be there. They're instantly greeted. They're never lost. They're never alone. They're never hurting. They're never sitting there, you know, taking notes on all the things you did or didn't do (laughs) before they passed away. They're not doing that. No. So it is truly completely different experience what we go through versus what they go through and they get to a point where and this is the kicker when we are beating ourselves up with that grief and the blame and the guilt that they get to a point where they start feeling like they are making us miserable uh yeah so they want us to move into healing as soon as we can I want people to honor their grief always. Honor your grief and go through all the stages of grief. But know that your beloved animal companions want you to move into healing as soon as you can because they directly benefit when your energy is positive and loving and uplifting. That's like spiritual fuel to them. Yeah. Yep. And... We're way more fun to be around when we're positive than when we're sad and depressed. So think about that. If you have ever been around a person who's always upbeat and happy and smiley and sunshiny, and it's like, wow, you just feel energized around this person. Now imagine what it's like to be around someone who's always gloomy and sad and depressed. And, you know, it's not fun. It's like brings you down, right? Yep, totally. Same is true with our companion animals. They're, you're not going to harm them because you're grieving. You're not going to stop them from their journey on the other side because you're grieving. But you're going to be way more fun to hang around if you're positive and loving and happy and balanced and joyful. And they're going to benefit 
with all of that beautiful energy that's that's exuding from you. So go get another pet, go foster, go volunteer, go help, be active, be loving, do something positive in celebration of your pet because they will benefit from that so much more than you sitting at home, beating yourself up endlessly for something that just needed yeah. to happen. Yeah. I'm very lucky. The last two dogs who passed away, my, my little dog, who was always a very nervous dog, as she passed away, the, the, the vet came and, and put a needle in her arm to, to euthanize her. And she was always the most nervous dog in the world. But this time when she was being euthanized, she, I mean, I was, she, she was kind of a little bit reactive to people sometimes. Like she just you know, she was absolutely perfect in the final years, but I was still aware of somebody she didn't know turning up and sticking a needle in her arm. Right. And she was lying there very, very, you know, poorly. So I kind of almost ready for her to react at them and snap at them and snarl and say, go away, don't do that. She just looked at me in the eyes and just said, it's all right. It's all good. Yeah. I thank you. I love you. And she yes. actually died. She passed away, still looking into my eyes without blinking, kind of smiling, going, it's all good. It was the most beautiful, amazing thing. Um, yeah, I just felt how happy she was in those final moments. And she absolutely knew, I believe, what was happening, if that makes sense. I believe. I believe that they, you know, they see us as their caretaker, their mom, their dad. I call yep. Yep. us their mom and dad because we are. We're the Pet parents, yeah. We're their caretaker. And they trust us. They entrust yes. us yes. to manage their life to keep them healthy happy comfortable and when when that's not possible anymore when we can't do that anymore they yeah. trust that we will make the right decision i am a profound supporter of euthanasia when it is the right time yes and only you yes. know that i never tell anyone now yeah. you know now's the time only you know that that's a personal and a private decision but they, they trust us and they know that we're going to do the best we can. They don't see the length of their life as a measurement of success. They see the quality yes. of the time they're here. So not the quantity of years. Mm. It doesn't matter if they are here a week, a year, 10 years, 15 years. If you were a good parent, if you did your best with what you had at that moment, we could all be better. Let's face it, we all make mistakes, we can all be better, but each one of these experiences you take with you into the next relationship and it makes you a better human being. It's called evolving and it's called spiritual growth. And as long as you are evolving and learning something from this past experience, hey, next time I could be better, hey, next time I could do this, hey, next time I'm gonna try a different vet or I'm gonna try a different procedure, next time, next time. As long as you are doing that and evolving as a human, there is nothing there that you should feel like you made a mistake about because this is why we have our animals. They're here to help us learn and grow on a spiritual level. And boy, don't they. Wow. Karen, I could chat to you for ages. I've got so many more <laughs> questions, but I am aware of the time. And I'm thinking, can you, for people who are listening in thinking, I, I've got a dog who's got a problem or I, I lost the dog or I'm, I'm, you know, I've got a poorly dog. People may want to get to you, in touch with you. I know you kind of do a, online sessions with people in a one-on-one -on -one capacity, I believe. And also you have a course 
uh, where people can who are interested and want to you know, develop this as a skill, either for well, I'll leave it up to you. But are you able to chat about both those things? How people can get in touch, and you've also got a couple of books. So um, your books, the courses, the one-on-one sessions. Tell us what people can. Okay, how well, they can find out more. Yeah. The easiest thing right now to get access to everything I've been talking about is to download. I have a free app. It is called Pet Loss Hope and Healing. So just go to the app store on your smartphone and download it. It's free. Pet Loss Hope and Healing. And I think it has the and sign, but I think if you enter pet loss, hope it'll come up. And um, register so you can gain uh, members-only content. And a lot of what I've been sharing, there's videos, there's training, there's all kinds of stuff in there for, uh, for, for you if you're interested in this. My courses I offer from beginning to advanced levels. There's online self-paced courses. I also offer private coaching one-on-one for intermediate through advanced levels for those people who are already actively communicating. My online course for beginners is really fun. You can log in anytime, you can practice whenever you're ready, but you get personal feedback from me throughout the whole course. So you're you're online, you're practicing at your own pace, but every time you submit your information, you'll get a personalized response from me, which is really cool. And um, I'm actually, my books, I'm I have two books out right now. Here All Creatures is the first one that documented my journey that really kind of started this whole thing. And it explains how I got my first messages, how, how you can understand what animals are saying. My second book, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, is all kinds of stories from sessions with messages from the animals on the other side. It's uplifting, it's healing, it's positive. It will open up all kinds of doors for you to the afterlife and to receiving messages and signs from your pets on the other side because they send them. And I'm currently writing my next book right now. And because of that, my calendar for sessions is closed. So I still can help in the capacity of coaching and, of course, my books. And I also have my Facebook page, Instagram page where they can find me as well but the mobile app is probably the quickest thing to get to right now and of course my website is very simply karenanderson.net all of that information is brilliant well it has been fascinating i've got so many more questions keen to chat to you about I, I, I've got to say, it, I, I did have one. I had a dog. I still have a dog called Jack. When Peanut passed over, I want to chat to you about this. When Peanut passed over and died, he was in a car, um, in the boot of a car. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But it was in the shade. He's got grates and fans and the windows were open. It's the coolest place on the property. But he actually knew that Peanut had passed over before I kind of brought him into the house. You know, the other two dogs all ran in and he refused to step foot in the house. He couldn't see her. But he knew. Yeah. And it was like, I, I have the video, so I'll put the link on this page when, uh, um, yeah, when, when, we, when we post this, it'll be under theonlinedogtrainer.com forward slash Karen Anderson. And, um, and I'll put the link there of the video of Jack, my dog, turning up at the front of the kitchen door 
and absolutely point blank refusing to set foot in the house. Oh. I couldn't even bribe him in with, with food. He went, I'm not coming in. She's just passed over. And and I don't know what that was, but uh, do you have any sense, Karen, or would we have to do a session to kind of tune in? Do you, you know what I'm saying? He knew. It was the most bizarre experience for me. I was like, and he's always had this sense of life and death. It, it means a lot to him. He knows. He always knows when big stuff has happened. And so I had the camera running because I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know what. But I certainly didn't expect him to look at me and go, no, I will not come in the house. I think that's beautiful. And, you know, every animal reacts differently. Some are obviously shocked and grieving and looking for their companion. And others act as if nothing happened at all. And they go about their business and check out the food bowls and, oh, more food for me. <laughs> So, you know, you really have the whole spectrum of responses there. But the one thing that I will share is that when an, when an animal leaves its body or is preparing to leave its body, it's one of the most vulnerable times of its uh -huh. entire life. And that's why oftentimes in the wild, you'll see animals kind of break off from their herd, their pack or wherever they are, and they'll go off by themselves because yes. that is a time where they do not want to reveal themselves, show themselves, or be vulnerable. They don't want to put the rest of the animals at risk for predators to come in. And it's also just a very private moment for animals. They're not necessarily like humans where we want all of our loved ones to gather around and huddle around us and, you know, hold hands. And, you know, animals can be very much the opposite of that, where they want to be yeah. by themselves. And the energy can be quite powerful. So... I will say that what you probably saw there was the reaction to the energies because when an animal leaves its body, I shared earlier that it's almost like they're catapulted out of that physical mm -hmm. form and they leave that physicalness behind. And when they are catapulted out, there is this incredible transference of energy that takes place. And I think that's probably what your other dog was. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I, I think you're right because... I've checked the visual line of sight and there's no way he could mm -hmm. see anything. There was no screaming or shouting. There was no, you know, you, you know, for the last kind of 48 hours before Peanut passed away, you could barely tell if she was alive or not because she was lying there, not moving. There's just a tiny pulse in her heart and she was looking, her eyes were open. She was actually looking at me. But, you know, when you looked at her when she'd actually passed away, you couldn't see any different. So it's very hard to kind of, say what how did he know but he absolutely knew because it's only happened once in 10 in a decade that he's refused to come inside right. and it was at that exact moment so. it's all about the energy it's yeah. we can't see it necessarily but they can't they can sense it yeah. they can feel yeah. it they know what's going on and it it can put them into a state of uh just hypersensitivity and just being more aware of what's going on, respectful, I think as a word we would use just because of there's something different going on here is respect that space. Yeah, that's that's what it felt like. He actually went and climbed into the back of um, my old wagon and lay on the back seat there. Mm -hmm. And that was the space that Peanut used to lie when she was mm -hmm. very young. When I only had the one dog, she used to lie in the back seat of my wagon. And... He's really kind of only done that, you know. That was the, the first time he really did it. He went and, and I, I tried to kind of get him out. I said, come on, out you get. And then I looked at him and he looked really serious, like, don't touch me. Right. 
I need to be here. And yeah. I looked at him and that's when I got this, I guess I'm only realizing that now, that's when I got this picture of Peanut lying there because he looked a very similar dog and he went, Peanut used to lie here and I need to lie here for a few hours. And he did. He lay there for three or four hours and he's never really done it again since. But that's what he does. He holds space. Yeah. 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 See, it's just, he's holding space and just, you know, it's just beautiful. You know, it really is. We have so much to learn from them. We have so much that I have learned so much. I, it's incredible. And I write about all of this in my books and how wow. they feel about euthanasia, how they feel about cremation, how they feel about burial, how they feel about reincarnation and, and all the different signs they send us to let us know that they're with us and around us and how they send us other animal companions because they know that we could definitely learn and grow by having this other one in our lives. Just so much that they can teach us and help us be better human beings. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Mm. Wow. Karen, look forward to having you on the podcast again sometime, but I guess we... Oh, thank you. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, we better wrap this up. So, um, yeah. Karen, is there anything else you'd like to add or you're, you're all good? It's been great having you on the show. Is there anything else? Final words to you. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners for tuning in and giving me the space today to share everything. And, you know, if you are struggling with the loss of a pet, you know, please reach out if you need help. It, there is a safe place for you to fall. Go to my website, download my app. I'm here to support you on your journey and get you into a better place and a better space. Awesome. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, where we believe in every dog is a good dog, and in every good dog is a great dog. Have a wonderful day, and as always, love your dog. You've been listening to another episode of the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, bringing you one step closer to creating harmony with your dog.